0: We are presently in chapter 2 of Romans, and we're in a section that we are calling everybody's got stuff. Chapter 2 is helping us understand that everybody's part of that. Because in chapter 1, and if you've been with us, you've observed this, in chapter 1, Paul is calling out what we have called the obvious sinners, those who walk in unrighteousness, and they're glad to do it. They celebrate with others who are obvious sinners, walking in unrighteousness, walking in rebellion to God. That's who chapter 1 is about. And Paul says, God's wrath is being revealed against you. And we can get that. We're, we are not those people. We, we can get that. Yeah, yeah, God's going to get them. God's showing them. But then he turns in chapter 2, and he turns to people who potentially are more like us, He says, now, there's another group that I need to address here, chapter 2. This group, you're not quite so obvious about your sin. In fact, you think your religious practice covers up your sin. You think you can kind of sneak by with things a little bit because you're the good ones. You're the religious ones. You're the ones who follow the religious rules. And now he's going to lay out for this group, effectively, and I'm trying to point this out if you're following with me, effectively... He's laying out the same arguments of condemnation, because he's leading to that unequiv- unequivocal conclusion, everybody's got stuff. And now he's speaking to those of us who um, we have, a, we have a, a foundation on which we stand, that we think that it's so simple that because we follow religious rules, we're going to be good. So in, in chapter two, verse one, we pointed out when he says, "You're an excusable, old man." Whoever you are who judge, for you do others, you do just what the others are doing, yet you're judging them. And we know that when God comes time to judge, verse 2, he's going to judge according to truth. And we drew a couple principles from this when we looked at it. Principle number one, you may recall if you were with us, some of us can fool ourselves all of the time, and all of us can fool ourselves some of the time. And then principle number two, drawn from verse 2, but none of us can fool God any time. And that's how he's addressing those who are geared toward religious rules, that somehow that's adequate to follow religious rules. And then he pointed out in verse 3, he asked, the, he asked two questions in verses 3 and 4. What are, you, what are you thinking? What is it on your mind that you think somehow you're going to get away with, with your own sin? Do you, do you think you're going to escape God's judgment? Is that what you're thinking? Or have you treated God's grace and mercy and kindness so lightly that you just feel like, ah, I don't even need to worry about the possibility of my sin being judged. And you don't recognize that uh, his grace, mercy, kindness is calling you to himself. That's what he's doing right now in this time frame. So the way we just capsulize that, we say we misunderstood the extent of God's judgment. Nobody's going to escape it. We misunderstand the purpose of God's patience and that it's calling us when we think it's the reason we can get away and dismiss, literally look down upon God's patience. And that brings us into verse 5. And from there, he's, he's building a case. This whole book is built upon building a case. He's always building an argument. And as he builds his case, we pick it up in verse 5. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now notice this, for there is no partiality with God. And he's wrestling in this contrast as he's moved from, from the group one of the obvious sinners and now he moves to the oblivious sinners, those who think they're okay, and effectively, what you'll pick up, and this is going to run through, through a number of places in, in the book of Romans, pick up that, that there's f- those within the old Jewish system, the old school Old Testament, who did not understand what that was all about. And they've put trust in things that cannot save them, cannot help them. And that's where he begins to move here when we're talking about those who are the, the religious type sinners. They've got rules. That they follow. And what he is saying here is religious rules aren't good enough. You know, we can fall into that, can't we? That we think I follow a system that if I follow these rules, I'm going to be fine. I, I, I keep the laws that are put forth for me. I must be a good person. But he says in his three verses that we, we just want to touch on, verse five, in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself, self-wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Does that ring any bells? This whole section on everybody's got stuff began with the statement of, for the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth In unrighteousness. We looked at that in detail. That's why when I just say that, it sounds familiar to you. Will you, will you notice? He also, you will recall also in that passage that there, it came to the point they're suppressing, they're suppressing. So God, God gives them over. God gives them over to their unrighteousness and they go further into it and he gives them over again and they go even further into it and he keeps giving them over and they keep going into it because of their hardness of their heart. But now he's looking at those who are religious rule followers. And notice what he calls them to. Your hardness and in a penitent heart, your treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day when wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Excuse me, in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. That's how I should have have read that. But what he's saying is there's wrath coming for you. It's being stored up, he said. And as I, as I think of that, what strikes me is just as he said, the wrath is being revealed. You see it revealed against those who are, uh, who are willingly unrighteous because you see it in the patterns of their lives that just get further and further from the things of God. Now, it maybe isn't so readily visible among those who are the religious rule keeper. But what he's saying, he's saying, look, God's patience is waiting for you to, return, to repent. But if you're not behind that, you're storing up a measure of his wrath that will come at the revealed time. Uh, probably a couple years ago, I was driving around with Steve Porter and he pointed something out to me that I had never noticed at the dam in Lake Bronson. So you know, we have this dam, it's holding back this lake, but there's a number of houses below the dam that if that dam gives way, they're all in danger. They're all going to be washed away. And that's kind of what Paul is saying here. He say, look, God's patience, his love, it is holding back the revelation of his wrath, but it is going to come, this, this, uh, uh, this redemptive work that he is doing, it comes to an end, and right now his patience is holding it all back, and you're below the dam, and he's giving you time to repent, but they believe that, you know, he's calling those who believe and say, oh, we're fine, God's not going to do anything, he hasn't done anything yet, it's like, well, the, the dam's been holding, but when the time comes and we're at the end, when we reach the consummation, That wrath is going to break through this dam of patience and love and grace, and God's going to hold us accountable. And those who have been counting on being religious rule followers are going to find that's not good enough. And what's their problem? Notice verse 8. To those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth. Remember what we said before? We said the obvious sinners walk in unrighteousness. The oblivious sinners walk in self-righteousness. They think religious rule-keeping is going to do it for them. And by that, don't admit their need for the Savior because I keep the religious rules. I'm better than those who don't want to and openly admit they don't want to keep the rules, but I do. So I'm not in that kind of need. I'm not in that place. And he says you're all about yourself there the truth that god is revealing is everybody needs the savior everybody needs christ in their life that's the that's the truth that is they are absolutely not obeying and they are just as much suppressing that truth as the unrighteous who openly sin so point 1 religious rules aren't good enough Point two, God doesn't play favorites. Ultimately, he says there's no difference in verse 11 between between the religious, the irreligious, and and the religious rule followers. Because God's going to measure against truth. That's going to be the measure that judges is going to judge us. Not simply whether or not we've tried our best to follow some religious rules. And that truth is going to reveal Um, something and as we go from there what we're going to see what it reveals everyone gets exposed because everyone has rules now here's what I'm getting at with that the people over here who are the oblivious sinners and they're the rule keeper they say well they don't even know what they're supposed to do and they don't care they'll do anything but we got rules and we're following them and what Paul is going to tell us now he's going to say everybody's got rules everybody's following some set of rules And none of them are going to ever find eternal life in following their rules. Notice what he says. For as many as have sinned without the law, they will perish without the law. As many have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. Verse 14, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts; their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. In the day, see, there's a day coming. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. And that's what the whole book of Romans is about is—the gospel. He said that in the very introductory verses uh, to this book. But what he is saying here, and it's there's a lot there to unpack that we just won't unpack here, but uh, he's saying we are all guided by some form of rules. Some people have the religious rules of the Old Testament, and, and they go, oh, I follow this rule, this rule, this rule, and I don't do this and I don't do that, and they think that's fine. And some people just follow the rules of conscience. But even in the rules of conscience, he's saying they know what is right. They have some sense as to what's right, some sense as to what's wrong. They're aware of it, and they fail against those rules as well. And he says, notice, in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Do you understand when that truth is shined brightly upon our lives and who we are and what we are really about, when that truth glares down upon us, it doesn't matter if you're like, hey, I walked in unrighteousness willingly and I it." It's like, yeah, and you're guilty. Yeah, you might say, well, I didn't know what the rules were. And God's going to say, yes, you did. Is inside of you. I found it interesting in reflecting on Romans 1 and 2 how this idea of internal understanding comes through in a couple of places. Remember where they knew God by the creation, but they, so they're without excuse? Because God's shown them. They know, they know that something is behind all of this. And He says, that's enough to condemn you if you reject the truth that is there, because it's really about where your heart is at. So you got the un, we got the irreligious, we got the the willing obvious sinners who walk in unrighteousness, and over here he says, and, and then those of you who are the who are the religious rule keepers, guess what? Those that, that sell rules that you follow, you break them. You don't follow them. You don't keep them like you think you're keeping them. And when the light of God's truth shines down and reveals the secrets of your heart, ha, it's going to reveal that you have as much of a sin problem as those people over here who willingly live in their sin, and uh, you are trying to, shall we say, cover it up. It's kind of like putting a coat of paint, one coat of paint, white paint, over a dark plaid wall. One coat of paint isn't going to do it. It'll cover it. It'll look different. It might look a little nicer, but you'll see the sin is behind there. That plaid is behind there. Plaid didn't go away. It's there. It's there. Recently, or just within this last week, my wife said to me, "Because um, we've used a stain-blocking paint in our bathroom, and it's worked for a while." And she said, "The stain is starting to show up again. We're going to have to do some. We're going to have to redo some things in there." See, the stain never left. It was back there, and it creeps out. And God's going to reveal that stain, whether we are religious rule keepers or not. He's going to. He's going to reveal the stain. Because why? It's according to truth, not whether we are, think we're a little better than those people who have no religious rules that they follow. The problem is our heart. The problem is our nature. That's what he's trying to get to. So God doesn't play favorites. Everybody gets exposed. Religious rules aren't going to cut it, People. We all need a Savior. Now, that all sounds very negative, but Paul is building something, and I don't want to end on something negative. I was very direct with you last week. So I don't want to end on something negative. I'd like to end on something positive. All right, He speaks that the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So there's really three things that we're looking at in these few verses. Whether you th- uh, uh, if you think about it, you've got those who are the unrighteous, the obvious sinners. You've got those who are the are the religious rule followers, the self-righteous, think they're doing okay. They're the oblivious sinners. And then you have the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the third group, the third element. Both need this. And if they're willing to repent out of each group and step into the gospel of Jesus Christ, admit their need, they are wondrously and gloriously forgiven because Christ paid for the sin. That stain that is in each one of us, he's paid the eternal punishment for that. But it doesn't matter which group you're in. If you resist that, you say, no, I don't want what Jesus Christ has. Well, then we're lost. But their day is coming. This is all going to end. And when it does, I just want to speak for one moment about those who received, about those who received the gift in Jesus Christ. That the end for them, the end for them is absolutely glorious. The end for them, the end for them is a new creation. The end for them, the scripture tells us about a new city that will come down from heaven. The end for them is a time when there is no more sickness, no more pain, no more darkness, and there's going to be this continual glory in the presence of God. There's going to be great celebration for those who have made that simple acknowledgement, not not in their own self-righteousness, not in their own. They step out of the self-righteousness, they step out out of the unwillingness, and they say, Lord, I need you. For them is a magnificent promise. And Glenn's going to sing about that.
1: Last night I lay Asleeping There came a dream So fair I stood in Old Jerusalem Beside the temple there, I heard the children singing, and ever as they sang, methought the voice of angels from heaven in answer rang. Methought the voice of angels. From heaven, in answer, home. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, lift up your gates and sing, Hosanna! Then methought my dream was changed, the streets no longer rang. Hushed were the glad hosannas, the little children sang. The sun grew dark with mystery, the morn was cold and chill. As the shadow of a cross arose upon that lonely hill. As the shadow of a cross arose upon that lonely hill. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The tideless sea, the light of God was on its streets. The gates were open wide. night, nor sun to shine by day. It was the new Jerusalem that would not pass on. Oh!
0: There is a new Jerusalem coming, friends. You read about it in the book of Revelation. And that one phrase, for all who would might enter, but you got to be willing, willing to move out of whether whether the irreligious or the religious rule follower, to move out of that group and humble ourselves before Jesus Christ. And that end, for which Q has just sung, is ours. And it's a magnificent truth and a magnificent reality. And God is waiting for you now in patience. That's why his patience withholds that dam of destruction that's going to come. Do not despise it, friend. Do not despise it. Thank you so very, very much. Becky, thank you. Debbie, thank you.